Hello and welcome to episode Tourists of the Cost Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. Joining me today is a very spe- special guest that most Sins fans follow. It's Twitter verified hockey writer James Gordon. James, how's it going? It's going great, Trevor. How are you? Good. Not too bad. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will be excited to hear what you have to say. Um, because of some scheduling conflicts, we're recording this on the Tuesday before Ottawa plays Arizona. So uh, they'll have played at least four games by the time people are listening to this. Uh, nevertheless, I still wanted to get a late preview out before it's too late for the season. Um, so anyway, let's get right into it for this uh, season preview show. So today is, um, or like last on episode five, I talked with Scott Wheeler to preview the East, but today I just want to talk about uh, the Senators. So let's start with the off season. Basically, what did you think about the off season? How did you think it went for the Senators? Um, I mean, it it's sort of, I found it a bit confusing just because, um, you know, there was a lot of sort of tough talk after things went so poorly last season that there would be sort of big, big changes. And, and certainly there were in the, in the front office and well, I mean, okay. So with the coaching staff, there was a big change, obviously the front office. I'm not, I'm not too, too sure about that yet because, um, uh, a lot of the guys in it were, uh, were sort of part of, um, Brian Murray's crew and Brian Murray's still in the office. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how, how much you can call that a change until we get more of a, a sort of sample size on what, uh, Pierre Dorian is going to do moving forward. Um, but I mean, in terms of, of, of players, um, obviously there was the Mika Zibanejad trade, which, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that we can say too, too much about that yet other than, um, Derek Broussard looks like the better player today. Um, but I'm not sure that that will still be the case, you know, even as, as early as the end of this season. Um, if you look at what Mika Zibanejad's done so far with the Rangers, he looks pretty good. And, uh, he's got, I think four points in three games. And in terms of scoring, um, you know, they might sort of get a little bit closer to each other by the end of, uh, by the end of the season. So um, that's sort of a wash if you ask me and, and could be um, a, a bit of a loss down the road in terms of a, a move on the hockey side. Um, and, you know, there's been some, some moving parts on the bottom six, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's sort of hard to predict where the steam is going to be because um, you can't really quantify at this point what, Boucher and his staff are, are going to be able to do with uh, with this group. Um, certainly, so far this season, they look a lot like the team that we saw last year, which gives right. up a ton of shots, and it's uh, you know a bottom ten Corsi team, and you know they're really going to have to to do something about the defensive side. You know, we kept hearing um, all late last season about how the Dion Phaneuf trade was going to stabilize the second pair which was this sort of popular uh term used at that time with cody cc and i mean cody cc had a pretty terrible season last year and it's been really rough looking this season too so i think that's really concerning if you look at, at what's gone on so far i mean there's of course it's early and it's a it's a new coaching staff trying to implement a new system and you know you have to give that a bit of time but 
definitely there are some uh, some concerning things that we're already seeing so far this season. Yeah, I got to say, I, I agree with you on, on all those points. Um, starting off with with the front office, it <clears throat> I remember I, I wanted and I hoped that the Senators had gone outside the organization to bring someone in. I'm not... Um, I'm not saying that Pierre Dorian is going to be a bad GM because we really don't know yet. I'll, I'll give him at least like another another year to see what kind of GM he's going to be. But it was a bit disappointing to see that they didn't bring bring anyone in, at least you know an assistant GM or something like that. Um, and for the the on ice product, I'm pretty sure Broussard and Zabanajad were only uh, separated by seven points last season. So you're right. right. I mean that that point gap could be. Zabanjad could get more points than Broussard this year. I mean, it's going to be pretty close, throwing the fact that they had to um, give that second-round pick as well. So that was kind of disappointing. And, I mean, you look at the age difference, too. I mean, exactly. That's, that that's, was, not, that's yeah. not insignificant. I mean, that's something that's going to affect the team, right. you know, for the next, you know, five, six years. So Yeah, that, that the fact that he was six years older and that they had to, had to throw in the second-round pick, that was my main beef with the deal. I, I do see them as pretty similar players, uh, at least point point total wise. They're not really comparable players uh, in their style of play, but at least for point totals, like you know, mm-hmm. in the fifty to sixty range. Um, but I, I didn't really see them making huge improvements in the off season, unless you think that Guy Boucher and a coaching change, uh, entire new coaching staff, will have a massive impact. Which I think some people think that, but I don't know. What are you? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, here's my here's my main issue with the Guy Boucher thing. Um, like when they obviously everybody knows that they they spent a lot of time interviewing uh, Bruce Boudreau, and uh, ultimately they went with Guy Boucher. If they had hired Bruce Boudreau, I think that we all could have gone into the season saying this team is definitely going to be better this season. Right. And I'm not sure that we can say that with Guy Boucher simply because he's been out of the league for so long. Um, and, you know, as I said before, like we're, we're seeing a lot of the same stuff that we saw last season. So that that would be my main issue is that if you were, you know, going to do things differently, then there was a coach available that um, if they had, had hired then that would have sent a message that they're serious about getting better right now. And I mean, Guy Boucher is, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to make a prediction about how the season's going to go because we just simply don't know yet. Um, and again, he hasn't been in the league for a long time, but um, if you go out and get a Boudreaux, then you're making a, a really significant move that can make really significant improvements really fast, I believe, based on on his work with other teams. And we'll see how it goes with Minnesota this year. But that's just one example where the team sort of went um, away that I think a lot of people were left scratching their heads. And, you know, with the front office, I mean, I think I had read they had hired someone as sort of a part-time consultant on the analytics side or whatever. I mean, this is the same guy, the undergrad guy from Carleton. I I don't know. I don't even know who it is. I mean, okay. that's how well-known the person is, obviously. But, I mean, that's sort of an area that with a team like this, if you're, if you're like, I'm fed up with losing, we're going to really start trying something different. You know, it's a tiny fraction of of your 
worst player's salary to go right. out and hire maybe the best analytics person, right? Who can make significant um, improvements to your roster and your usage if you get somebody talented. Um, so it's, it's a little disappointing that a team that has some budget constraints and um, and everybody's aware of those can, is not sort of exploring those areas a little more uh, enthusiastically. Right. I mean, let's let's talk about that. The analytics side. I didn't even have this. I wasn't even planning on talking about this. But um, you're right. It's totally disappointing to see. You could hire. You know, what does Mark Borvietsky make? Uh, isn't he right. making one point one or something? You right. Could probably hire. 10 12 guys yeah for less than 10 for less than oh, 10 yeah. percent of what you're paying Mark oh exactly you're getting maybe the best analytics person available. so but the problem i have also is you're continuously seeing more and more teams jump on the bad bandwagon even a team like the colorado avalanche who were notoriously known as a team that is really anti-analytics even they they got rid of patrick waugh and they even hired uh, eric parnas who was doing the uh I believe it was the power play um, stats project thing. Right. So even a team like that is sort of trending in the right direction. Uh, You're seeing teams like Carolina with Eric Tolsky who are all in on analytics. So I guess you can say, sure, they've hired this consultant or whatever, but I really don't think that person is getting much input. They're probably just saying, here are the numbers, you interpret it. I'm not even going to say anything, as we saw with uh, Matt Pfeffer in um, in Montreal, who got fired for advocating for uh, not trading P.K. Subban. Well, here's the problem, too, right? Like, if you're going to hire an analytics person, then you have to actually listen to that person exactly. sometimes and, and sort of value their advice. And I'm not saying you turn over your whole hockey department to the analytics side, but... Um, you mentioned Colorado, you think about Toronto, like Toronto has maybe the most impressive analytics group in the league, you know, based on who we've heard that they hired and how many people they have working on that side. And and between them and Colorado, I mean, these were the two poster boys of the clash between the analytics side and, and the dinosaur side. And yep. I mean, you look at the results and uh, I, it speaks for itself. I mean, Colorado, obviously saw a guy in Patrick Waugh who had a team, his team was performing just so poorly from a shot metrics uh, view. And then he he's lobbying this offseason to get t- to get players that are going to make the team worse and get rid of players <laughs> who were actually uh, doing the right thing. So, and you look at Toronto, which finished, I think, a top 10 Corsi team last year when they start getting some real talent. Like, this is going to be a scary group just down the highway. So, um, it's trending that way, and um, and you know, I think that it's pretty clear to me anyway that that Ottawa has already fallen behind, and they're falling further behind. So, um, you know, hopefully that gets turned around because if you're ever gonna try and get an edge with a team that has sort of outside constraints that th- that other teams might not have, you know, why not why not actually go full steam into something else and see if it can help you out. Yeah, that's what I was going to touch on. The fact that Ottawa is obviously known as a, as a budget team that can't spend that much money. So you'd think they'd try to get every edge possible, right? I mean, if you can't spend, you know, four or five million dollars on a, I don't know, free agent defenseman or whatever, why not spend a few hundred thousand on a solid analytics department? So, I mean, I'm sure that'll help somewhere, right? 
And I mean, if if things go sour here with Boucher too, I mean, like the Steams had like too many coaches over the past oh, yeah. decade, right? So, and it's it always seems to be only the coach that gets canned. So at some point, they have to sort of acknowledge that what they're doing they're doing is not working. And um, you know, who knows? Maybe this is the season, and and Boucher makes all the difference, but. Um, He's also a guy, just personality-wise, that I think has a really short shelf life in this league in terms of, of head coaching before his players get tired of him. So um, they're a bit a bit on a time limit there, too. That's certainly true. I, I hope he he seems like a really innovative guy. Um, I, I feel like he could probably connect more to the players than some of their previous coaches, so hopefully he works out. So far, I, I am impressed with him. It's only been... Uh, three games that I've watched so far. Obviously, they haven't played the fourth, even though uh, people listening to this, they'll have played tonight against the Coyotes. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's move on. So one of the biggest problems for Ottawa over the past few years has been their lack of depth at both forward and defense. Um, and they certainly have plenty of options in the bottom six and a few in the bottom pairing as well. But do you think they have enough quality options to be better than, than in years past? Well, I mean, this is been an unpopular opinion for me on Twitter and that sort of thing but I just I I don't believe in that second pair right now and um I I never sort of bought the thing that Dion Phaneuf was going to be the answer there um I mean he's a guy who was on a downswing for a while in Toronto and then he improved a bit last season under Mike Babcock but I mean you look at the body of work with him and CeCe um last season and my it wasn't it wasn't outstanding by any stretch and and like i said this season i found that cc's continuing down this path which has to be concerning for the team because he's supposed to be one of these defensemen of the future for this team and he's he's playing really poorly but um you know so i, I like let's give them you know half a season here and hopefully they get it turned around and again we have yet to see um, the team get comfortable with Boucher so far, but I mean, the third pair, I think everybody knows it's a tire fire as long as Mark Borowiecki's on it. So um, right. <laughs> they have some other options and hopefully they, they use them and start, you know, <laughs> using some different guys in there because I think it it's, it's been several seasons now where this guy is clearly a drag on, on the team. Um, the, and possession wise when he's on the ice. So, um, you know, that's going to continue to be a weakness too, until they, they fix that. So it's definitely a, a little concerning. I mean, that was the biggest problem last season and, um, and they didn't the, address it. <laughs> well, the team really pitched FNF as the fix and I'm, I'm not quite sure that that's a, really a fix. Right. And the, the scary thing is that, we're focused, or I think most people at least, are focused on the third pairing, but by no means, as you mentioned, is the second pairing a sure thing. Right. Um, I mean, yeah. it, and it, it could it could work. You know, I mean, you right. never know. But again, just based on FNF's body of work in the last you know few seasons and CC's work the last season and a bit here, um, it it's a little concerning the way that things are trending. And you know, I mean, I, I think I get a bad rap for being a overly negative about this team. Same. But, but you know, I, I don't really get that because if the team was really good and 
and was winning games and making the playoffs, then we would talk about how good it is and, you know, all the smart moves that they've made. But this team has been pretty bad for a long time and has had some good fortune that kind of threw it off the scent of a proper rebuild for a little while. And uh, now you're sort of left with a team that, you know, we're not really sure what to expect. And we're, you know, you're hoping for a best case scenario, you know, bubble playoff appearance. And, um, you know, it, it never seems to move forward. So, I mean, it's it's not a, a thing of trying to be overly negative about the team and the roster. It's just, it's sort of what it is, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you can only be so positive. Like, if you're if you're just being positive for being positive, I mean, then you're just ignoring the facts. Um, like, I think Dion Phaneuf is fine on the second pairing. I, I just look at, uh, how low the bar is for defensemen around the league because really there are some terrible defensemen in the NHL that are on second pairing so I think he's fine there but I CC, think he's fine too yeah but, but CC is, is a different story he's right now. he gave up an insane amount of shots uh, or at least shot attempts last year when he was on the ice um, I don't think people really realize how bad of a possession player he was last year. I mean, he was he was almost up there with Borvietsky. I feel like nobody realizes that. No. And but, but the thing is, I can totally understand why if you're if you're just watching the games, you're not analyzing it, you're not looking at the numbers, I can totally see why you'd think a player like CC is very good because he has the raw skills and I've talked about this before. He has the raw skills. He he can pass. He has a good shot from the point sometimes. So it seems obvious that he would be an amazing player. But the thing is, the things he does poorly, you don't see that often. Or it's at least harder to see when he's in the defensive zone and he's not picking up his guy in front of the net. Than... Like like last night, I think it was yeah. Thomas Vanek behind the net. He's like bouncing the puck off CeCe's feet yeah. and like oh, stick handling around him behind the net. Like And and I find that CeCe's often, here's the hope that... that that Boucher gives them some structure because CC is one of these players who gets running around in his own zone. And then it's like, he's not getting his guy and everybody else is open. Yeah. The the thing is, I believe, wasn't he a forward when he was in minor hockey? I'm, I'm not sure I, about that. I, I know he played vaguely, DL through junior. So. Okay. I vaguely remember seeing something. Maybe it was a different prospect they had, but that would make sense to me. Somebody should, fact check that for me um but yeah that would make sense just because of it seems like he has these offensive instincts but definitely not on the defensive side right and like i'm just looking it up right now so Fanaf uh corsi 48.4 minus 3.3 relative and last year or i'm talking so far this season. okay so yeah that's, three games. that's three games yeah but i, I mean yeah, it's just you. You sort of you you want to see if that's if that's stabilized, then you want to see that Cody CC minus twelve uh, relative Ugh. Corsi, right? And he's at forty two point seven after doing a forty four point six last season. So, um, yeah, hopefully the coaching staff gets that turned around. I hope so, and. Yeah, like I mentioned before, it's it's sad that we're we're talking about the second pairing and we have hardly touched touched on the third pairing. What do you think uh Thomas Shabbat 
What do you think he can uh, do this season? He hasn't played yet. He may play tonight. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't seen anything yet. Um, I'm not. I don't really have an opinion on him yet because you know I, I forget if it was was it him during the summer when they had the rookie camp. He had like the stern talking to because he wasn't. Yeah. Right, and then now he's not getting into the lineup, and I'm just like I wonder if if he's as good as as you know he should be to be in the league. Um, what's with what's with the hiccups? Like, should he be here? Should they be rushing him in, especially you know given what we're seeing with CC, or you know give him some time to to develop and and because I mean if he's not playing games here, then you know whatever but i guess maybe we'll see him in a couple of games coming up so i mean i'm i'm opinionless on on shabbat right now um, my only opinion is is it would be a pretty low bar to jump over to get a better option on the third pair than mark borietsky yeah i mean that's that's how i see it i i see no scenario where he isn't better than borietsky and shabbat is a guy that i feel like ottawa needs a player like him who can get the puck out of the zone, provide some offense. I know Weidman's sort of like that guy, but Shabbat should be better in that area. And uh, I and hope... If, and yeah. To, to say something positive for a change, I mean, okay. <laughs> Eric Carlson is oh. ridiculous. Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's hilarious that in the first game, you know, Austin Matthews scores four goals because it completely papers over the fact that this defenseman had three points in his first game. He's just unbelievable every time he touches the puck. And um, that's another reason you kind of hope that the Senators turn things around too, because they've got literally like a generational talent who should yep. have won the Norris <laughs> trophy last year, if not for the media campaign to the contrary. And, uh, and you kind of just, you, you want to see these years be used in a good way. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk positivity, you just point to Eric Carlson. He is, absolutely amazing i don't see how you can say he isn't like a top i don't know maybe top five top 10 defenseman all time honestly it's sort of become like i was thinking about this the other day it's become like it's gone to the point where he is so good and he makes it look so routine that like we don't even really talk about it anymore like we're harping on the third pair and it's like oh you know, forget about the generational talent on the first right. year because, like, you don't even think about it. You're like, that is the least of Ottawa's problems. That's all set yeah. there. You know, everyone's flipping out about Austin Matthews, and and nobody would pay attention to Carlson, of course, because, like, he he makes it look simple what he does, which is something that totally. really no other defenseman in the league does. So, and you know what else he's added to his resume? What's that? Penalty kill. What's he that? got a penalty kill assist oh, last yeah, night. There we go. <laughs> Shorthanded. Big shot. Yeah. That'll that'll keep the writers happy. Yeah, so he can he can do it all. Um, yeah, so definitely looking at at the the defense, it's not it's not great, but I think I will give Boucher some time, see how it goes for the first few months. But if it's same old same old, then I think it's pretty clear they need. It's not necessarily a coaching thing; it's a personnel thing. Well, I mean, you could make the argument that it was pretty clear it wasn't a coaching thing when they yeah. canned the last yeah. seven guys, right? Yeah, that's like, fair. <laughs> it's, but I mean, you can always you can always hope for the best, I guess. Yeah. So we uh, we haven't touched on the forwards really yet, the depth forwards. So what do you think of the situation there, like for the third and fourth lines? Um, you know, I Zingle, I like the speed. Pajot, not a problem, obviously. Um, 
the the fourth line seems like it obviously has a hole if if Matt Pumple's on it right now. Um, because I mean, I, I feel like Matt Pumple is a guy that the organization wants so badly to work out and be a contributor on this team, and you just never see anything sustained from him that would lead you to believe that he's the answer. Um, as for the other guys, I mean, Chris Neal is Chris Neal. You know what you're getting. Chris Kelly. Um, I'm I'm interested to just keep watching and see how he does because he's had a, a rough couple years, um, you know, the last little while. And um, and just on a personal level, whenever I dealt with Chris Kelly, he was like <laughs> like one of the best people to deal with in that room. So, yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I, he's a really good guy that you want to see succeed. So, I mean, th- the bottom six is not fantastic, but, um, you know, it's... I don't know that you know, the fourth line is going to make or break this team. It's more um, making sure that, that the top two are productive and the third does its job. Yeah, I think from what we've seen so far of Ryan Dezingle, um, he looks he looks legit. He looks at least a bottom six player. Um, he already has two goals. And just the fact that he has so much speed, he can bring at least um a different element there he can at least probably get 25 points or something on the third line yeah and what i mean and this is a guy that the team was high on for a long time like i remember back when i was covering the team like a few years ago now you know randy lee was just raving about this guy and his speed and stuff and it took a while for him to get here but now i think you're seeing sort of what they saw in him kind of coming out now yeah for sure um also i think it's strange how there really are a lot of options, not necessarily quality options, but uh, I listed guys in the bottom six here. There, well, Sm- Smith is on the second line right now, but anyway, Smith, Dzingle, Pajot, Lazar, uh, Neil, Kelly, Pumple, Pyatt, Veroni, Blunden, and Paul. Like all those guys, I'm sure will get time in the bottom six this year. Um, not all of them are great, but it is strange. Like I don't remember having this many options in the bottom six. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you want them to all be good options. Yeah, and exactly. I, I really <laughs> hope that I hope that uh, the time that uh, that Curtis Lazar spends in the minors, you know, gives him some confidence and gets him playing a little better. Because here's another player who they were really high on, and and he seemed to play really well in his rookie year, if not putting up tons of points, but at least not being an issue. And then he had a really rough go of it last season. So you uh, definitely want to see him get better and then he's sort of one of your answers in the in the third line if he can get it together so he's the guy ideally you want to see do that yeah that that third line right spot looks pretty weak right now especially if they're having tom pyatt on that spot um but you know if if miraculously clark MacArthur can come back and and be somewhat healthy that moves smith down to the third line and then you have uh being on the third or fourth line, I I think he's already, I mean, he hasn't played that many games, but I think he's established himself as at least a capable NHLer. And then you mentioned Lazar. If he can, if he can just be decent enough, then I think their bottom six isn't too bad. 
but that's three ifs there. Well, well more, yeah. more like two ifs and there. I mean, the biggest if, and it's, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I think there was a lot of buzz around the team, which I couldn't quite figure out before the season started, was lots of people saying, oh, well, Clark MacArthur's back. It's it's going to be just like old yeah, times with Bobby right. Ryan and, <laughs> and Kyle Turris. And, and um, you know, I, like, just from a being human perspective was pretty worried about him coming back to play after missing a full year of a concussion. And then it goes out in training camp and, and gets hit again. So like, I think it might be time to start to stop sort of counting on, on Clark MacArthur being the answer there, because just, you know, I feel like the most important thing for Clark MacArthur right now is like, be healthy and, and yeah, his brain. you know, you know, like you've got a whole life after this. And, and obviously, you know, he, he sorts that out with his doctors and, and if he feels he wants to keep playing, then, then that's his prerogative. But, you know, even if he does come back and he, he, he gets his, uh, his health in order, you know, if you've had that many concussions, um, there's a good chance that you're not going to be in the lineup every single game. So that's, that's worrisome. So, um, I mean, I'm not sort of among the people who would be counting on that to, to shore up the forward ranks. Yeah. He, even if he does come back, um, I, which even, I don't even know if he's going to come back. We'll, we'll touch on that a bit later as well, but yeah, even if he does come back, you know, he's just one bad hit away from ending his career really. And like, like you're like, I, like you feel worried for him every time exactly. he comes on the ice. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, in training camp, you know, obviously they, uh, all his teammates went and <laughs> jumped that guy and tried to beat him up. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people in the organization too were saying, look, that's not ideal, but it's not a ridiculous hit. And, um, you know, that's the kind of thing that he's going to face all the time if he gets into NHL games. So it's definitely a, a bit of a worrisome sign for him. Yeah. It's really too bad too, because MacArthur has, Honestly, he was probably one of Brian Murray's best free agent signings. He either got him for so cheap, and he was super productive when he was actually healthy. It's just and the really reason, and the reason they got him was because Toronto hated analytics at that exactly. time. And they had exactly, and Randy Carlyle as a yeah, coach coming off a bad year in Toronto. Yeah. Or, well, not bad, but worse than uh, I think the previous year. But yeah, it's just, and honestly, I, I see MacArthur as that bridge to the second and third lines. Because then you, you put Smith down in a spot where you don't have to rely on him as much. Um, and it really just makes the whole lineup complete. But without him, it's, oh, man, it's kind of rough. Yeah. All Agreed. Right. Yeah. So uh, at SB Nation last week, I helped out with the Senators season preview. And we talked about the best case and worst case scenario uh, for a lot of teams. And I did the Senators. So I'm curious to see how you see each scenario playing out. So... Let's start with, I guess, the best case scenario. For the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, just in general, like certain things. Uh, I feel like their their highest ceiling is to get a wild card spot and then to to get out of the first round. Um, I, I just I can't really believe in any credible situation where they go any further than that. Positivity. I, and it's getting well, and it's getting tougher too because a lot of the teams around them are getting better really fast. So yeah, that's true. I I can see them getting third, just best case. Like I, I don't actually think they will, but I could see that as the best case just because 
Florida and Tampa seem like locks for one, two in my mind. But mm-hmm. then besides that, there's a lot of just mush in the middle. There's teams like the Red Wings and the Bruins who don't look as good as in years past. The Canadians, I really don't know what to think of them. I'm, I'm sure they'll be a lot better than last year, but we, we don't really know, especially with if Price is, <laughs> if he's not actually out with the flu and he's, you know, his, uh, his injuries flaring up again. The thing for me is like the Habs definitely unnecessarily hurt themselves with that Subban trade and they're yeah. definitely going to regret it. Oh yeah, um, that's true. But any, I mean, any team with Gary Price is probably making the playoffs. So, yeah, and, exactly. and probably doing well in the season. I mean, you look at what Ottawa did when they had like a fairly like weak team and then, but Craig Anderson and Robin Leonard and Ben Bishop are all posting like 940 save percentages. Like all of a sudden, yeah, they look like fair. the best team in the league, right? <laughs> yeah. And you expect Gary Price to be near the top. Um, so to me, as long as he makes it through the season, then I think they're pretty safe in that top three. But, you know, anything can happen, and he could get hurt again. And as you said, he's already missed some games. So, Yeah, it's uh, – but, but, I mean, either either way, I just see it as a pretty open division. So I guess that would be the one hope for Senators fans is just a lot of uncertainty in the middle. So, I mean, if you, if you want to take one positive message out of this preview, it's that, I guess. Well, and, and for me – um, I'm not as sort of low as everybody else on Boston. I think they do have <clears throat> a lot of good pieces that could add up to yeah, for sure. a strong season. When you look at Marshawn and, uh, and Bergeron and they have a really good goalie. So, um, you know, they'll be around that area too. Um, and then when you look at the other side, I mean, with Philly being good again and all that, like it's, you know they're going to get at least one of those wild cards on the other side. So it'll be dicey for sure. Yeah, definitely. So let's, what about worst case scenario? <laughs> Doomsday. Uh, uh, worst case scenario is, you know, we see zero defensive improvement from last season. And, you know, you see probably a team that finishes around where it did last season. And, that would be a bad case scenario. The worst case scenario, obviously, is you see some pretty serious injuries to some key players, and then you're down. You're talking about maybe getting close to the, the bottom five, but I'm talking right, I mean, like you can't that's that. <laughs> right. That's like we're talking like Eric Carlson gets hurt or something. That's the absolute worst case. But uh, you know, if it's a regular season, um, I'm thinking they're probably, you know, where they were outside the playoffs, same as last season. Because, uh, like I said, I just don't see enough change and improvement on the team to to believe otherwise at this point. And, again, it's in, pretty impossible to forecast coaching outside of the guys who are really good or really bad. Do you think it's possible that they finish eighth? Because I have, like, eighth in the division, I mean. I have seen a few writers put them eighth. But then in the same the same screenshot i've also seen them uh pick the senators for third or fourth so it's kind of a mix well i would have had florida tampa boston montreal and detroit ahead of them although i've you know the detroit pick is a real i don't feel good about that one i mean that that <laughs> the their defense is just atrocious when you yeah, look at that's the names on it and um 
So I'm not super confident in that. Buffalo, I really felt like they were going to have a really good year this year. I felt like this is the year where they're going to start. I thought so too, yeah. They're going to start pushing and get close to the playoffs. But I mean, that Eichel thing is so tough to lose a center that good. Yeah. Um, And O'Reilly's playing great, obviously. But, you know, Eichel gives them two great weapons and and the opposo thing was good uh adding some more you know some more firepower and i've i still i want so badly to be a robin leonard believer so <laughs> i know i well you look at what he did last year and he was right. a really good goalie so he was really good and he was really good here when his, he was i mean his know, healthy his, and yeah his career save percentage is 915 and that's pretty much average yeah so and and in his good years it's higher than that right yeah so, exactly um, so I really f- felt like they had the pieces to at least, you know, get past Ottawa and maybe get into that playoff conversation, but I, I don't know what to make of it now with Eichel out. We'll see, I guess, but yeah, uh, you know, and Toronto, I figured would still be behind Ottawa. Yeah. I, but, I, I mean, you never know with them. I mean, they, uh, like you said, they, they wound up finishing the season last year, top 10 Corsi, and now they've got Austin Matthews and, um, we'll see if Marner's, able to thrive at this level right now but um you know would like i would say right now ottawa finished ahead of them but would i be shocked if they didn't probably not yeah i i'm not so sure a lot of people are saying the leafs are going to finish last i i really don't know about that just because uh those guys you mentioned could definitely carry the team matthews marner i really like william nylander and if anderson keeps you know doing yeah, what he did it, in anaheim as long which as is he's huge. Just, fine even they'll be a lot better um i'm sure they'll be a a decent possession team this year as well so definitely so i I guess like for your from uh your perspective basically their range is between fourth and seventh in the division i guess uh i i want to say fifth and seventh (laughs) that no just because best best case fifth uh no, not best case. Okay, okay. If we're going the range of best case, right. to, Yeah, then I would say fourth. I would say fourth is definitely their best case scenario for the finish okay. in the, the division this year. Okay, I, I'll I'll say third, but I mean that's that's just a very very optimistic <laughs> view there. Okay, so bring out your uh, crystal ball for the next segment. So I want to know one or two good surprises and one or two bad surprises that will happen for the team this year. Um, so it could be like a player breaking out or someone regressing, something like that. Um, so let's, again, start with the good. What are some good surprises you think will happen for the team this year? Uh, well, um, if you're talking individual... Uh, could be individual uh, team, things, whatever. Then, I mean, it would be pretty awesome to see a defenseman um, getting even closer to the league lead in scoring, which I... I don't think is outlandish uh, to to think about. I mean, you <laughs> you just I mean, you look at what Carlson's done so far, uh, what his age is, and uh, and uh, you just you think what is the limit for this guy? So um, you know, would it be a surprise if he was even better than what he was last year and put up more points? Maybe not, but. Um, that's maybe the, just because we're not surprised by anything he does anymore. Um, another good surprise would be if, if things work out with Derek Broussard and Bobby Ryan and he can get 
number nine going again because um or I guess number nine now. <laughs> Bobby I, Ryan, I've gotten uh, already confused by that. Yeah. I, I tweeted something about Bobby Ryan being on a two-on-one, and then somebody pointed out, "Yeah, that's actually Weidman." Yeah. So, the only uh, reason <laughs> the only reason I got that right is because I'm actually looking at the <laughs> daily face-off lines right yeah, now. But yeah. um, uh, so I mean, they want to get Bobby Ryan going too because obviously he was their big post Alfredson um, acquisition, and and. He's been he was good at first and lately I think he you could say he could have been better. Um, hopefully his I, I mean am, am I the only one who like gets worried watching him skate because I feel like he's lost a step for a guy who already couldn't afford to lose a step. But yeah, um, I could see that sometimes. You're hoping that that him and Broussard get some chemistry and then they have two you know really solid top two lines. I think it's reasonable to hope for maybe a bit of a a bit of an improvement from Ryan. Maybe top that sixty point mark. I don't know if he'll get there, but something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll help the fact that Broussard's a left hand shot. Um, bad surprises. Craig Anderson gets hurt, and you have Andrew Hammond as a number one, which I would, you know, oddly enough, he did post a around a league average save percentage last season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I was not expecting given what he had done in the AHL before he had his big surprise there. Um, but he sure did look pretty bad against Detroit. So, um, you know, you definitely want Craig Anderson healthy and getting through this whole season. Um, and, you know, again, I wouldn't be surprised if the bottom four defense is, is, uh, really bad, but uh, apparently lots of people would be. So I'll say that's a bad surprise. Yeah, I'll uh I'll give one one for each and they're both regarding the D. One good surprise, I could definitely see Thomas Shabbat uh looking like a really solid NHL player. Like if he if he comes into the league and already is playing like a second pairing defenseman, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Not I wouldn't say I'd I'd count on it, but it's it's a possibility. And another a bad surprise would be if Mark Mathot regresses again because last year he just he didn't really look like the same player and if he becomes a guy that all of a sudden you count on, can't even count on him and he's on your mm-hmm. top pairing then that's just a really big blow because then who are you putting Carlson with like what are you, are you going to move Shabbat all the way up by the end of the year like I don't know how how uh, that would play out I feel like you know Mathot would have to regress so much that you would like it would really badly impact the top pair just because the guy he plays with is so good um but certainly you want two guys you know on your top pair playing really well so i'm with you there like they they want him to be good um you might you might not see it quite as much as if you were playing with a worse player but yeah it would be nice for carlson too to have a, a solid d pair yeah for sure um okay so i think i think that that covers the uh, surprises so let's move on to something that i love doing i've done it a, f- a few times on the show it's uh, some over unders mm-hmm. so i'll give you five of them that you've, you've never seen these before so i want to get your uh, quick reaction to them so let's start with mark borvietsky scratches 14.5 that's that's a tough one because you really don't know what you have in Shabbat Exactly. Yet. So I'm going to say uh, 
let's say I'm going to say over just because it's a new regime in the coaching staff. It's a bit of a new regime in the front office, and maybe they'll finally wake up to the fact that this guy's a huge drag on the team. I head over to optimistically, I'll say, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so next one, Clark MacArthur games played, 9.5. Do you think he plays 10 games at the end of the year? Boy, this is a dark one to think about. (laughs) I want him to, I want to say over. I would probably say under because you're usually better off taking the under, but um, I certainly would hope for him that he can get to the over. But you're going to, you're, you're I'll stick with under, under for yeah. that one. Okay. Um, Mike Hoffman goals, 32.5. 32.5. Hit 29 last year. So, right. Um, How many does he have so far? Does he have a goal yet? I don't yet? think he has one yet. All right. I'm unless, gonna unless say, he scored tonight I, against Arizona. I think, he'll, I think he'll finish around where he did last year. What did you say he had last year? 29? 29. Yeah, I, I'll take the under. Okay. I, I think I think he can maybe uh, barely get over that just because Guy Boucher seems like he really trusts him. Um, so I think he might be able to get a few more power play goals. I know he had some bad luck on the power play the last couple of years, so... I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he plus, could do that. Plus, Dave Cameron would take him off the power play and play yeah. him on the fourth yeah, line exactly. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, so I'm sure that'll that'll help a bit. And if some of his um, posts and crossbars can go in, then that'll add to his total. And, I mean, he's probably hurt a little bit last year, too, in the second half by Kyle Turris being hurt and yep. not playing as well as he could be. So I could definitely see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So... Um, Okay, this one is oddly worded, but uh, team shots against out of 30. So like 21.5 out of 30 teams. Do you think they'll be better than that or worse than that? Uh, what were they last year? Oh, last year. Uh, I feel I like they were like 28th or something. Probably up there. I don't have it with me right now. Um, mm. uh, I'm going to say just because... You figure there's going to be at least a couple teams worse, a few teams worse. I'll say 20, I'll say 27th in shots against. So I guess it would be, what, over? I don't know. It's oddly worded, but yeah, over then. Okay, that's uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be much of an improvement from no. last year. Um, okay, last one. I did this with, with Scott Wheeler. Eric Carlson, Norris Trophies, 0.5. I would, okay, I would say under just because, like we talked about before, I feel like he's he's changed the position so much and made it look so easy that nobody's really impressed by it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Like, who would vote on it? And, uh, you know, there's sort of like, among the people who vote on it, there's uh, uh, like a bit of a bias lately for giving um, like a light, like the Drew Doughty one. Like, why don't we just say that that was 
like lifetime considered to be a lifetime achievement yeah. award, right? Um, and you know, if it starts trending that way, then Eric Carlson's never going to win another one because he's already got two. And uh, and like I said, we're just so used to the way he plays and what he does that um, the novelty of it is is gone a bit. And I don't know that voters will come back. I mean, like if Brent Burns puts up a similar season to last year and Carlson falls off at all. Like they're going to give it to Brent Burns because, you know, he was a nominee last year and, and he's a really good defenseman and, you know, let's change it up a bit. Um, but it's this sort of insidious Eric Carlson is an offenseman thing. Um, I think has some deep roots with a lot of voters. So I will say under, um, not that it would be deservedly. So I'll say under two, um, even though I, Bet he will deserve it, but you know, you know who is due for a Norris Trophy? Shea Weber playing exactly. in Montreal. He's That's my Norris pick. Big name this year. He's he's gonna mark, get lots of attention. Mark my words, he's gonna win the Norris. He's gonna win it because Montreal's gonna make the playoffs, and Weber's gonna score a bunch of goals on the power play, and he's gonna get lots of attention from Pierre LeBrun, guys like that, and yeah, he'll win it undeservedly. I um. think that that is probably a good pick. I mean, playing in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Looking good with Carey Price, uh, you know, stopping 93% of the shots he faces and then getting the, the points at the other end. Yeah, I think that's probably a good bet for a yeah. lifetime achievement Norris for this year. <laughs> All right. So lastly here, give me a point projection for the Senators and tell me where they finish in the Atlantic Division. Okay. Uh, point. How many points did they have last year? Uh, eighty-five. No, 80. it was eighty-five or eighty-six. Let's see, I had the standings here a second ago. They finished with uh, eighty-five. Eighty-five. Okay. So I'm gonna say that they finish with eighty-four. Ooh. <laughs> um. Again, I'm just not buying the whole. You know, the second pair is great now and the coach will fix everything. I'd like to be pleasantly surprised. I mean, there's lots of people in this city who would be really happy about that. And it would be nice to have a relevant team again, especially when Toronto's getting better. And it would be fun to have, you know, those teams going again and, and Ottawa's continued rivalry rivalry with Montreal. So I'm hoping for better. But if I were if I were setting the over under, I would probably put it at 84.5. Okay, I I put fifth in the division and 89 points. So I I do think, I don't know, I think it'd be hard for them to not get at least a bit better just accounting for the the coaching change. Uh, You think they'd maybe change it up a bit. So, But you're right, there are, I I really don't see them as good enough for a playoff spot and maybe a wild card, but there's just a lot of ifs and it wasn't a great sign that they were relying on the health of Clark MacArthur in their top six and he's already out and you know, that doesn't make things look great. So, I mean, they're, they're two and one right now. I don't, I don't know how they're going to do tonight. They should win against Arizona. So maybe they will be three and one by the time people are listening to this. Um, I don't think it's out of the, uh, like, I don't think it's impossible for them to make the playoffs. So I certainly wouldn't be shocked if they did, just because it seems like whenever they're not supposed to make the playoffs, they do. They sort of have this weird trend going. So I could see that happening, but 
I, I don't really see them as good enough to make the playoffs just like you. Well, here's a chance to change your brand. So if you were about to make a prediction that they would get into the top three in the division and maybe win the division, and that's your prediction, tell me how that happens. Win the division? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, first of all, Steven Stamkos goes out uh, for the entire year. He's, he's right. injured. Um, <laughs> Aaron Eric Ekblad. Carlson plays 45 minutes a night. <laughs> yep. Aaron Ekblad gets suspended for the entire season. Um, <laughs> Mike Hoffman scores 40 goals. Cody CC stabilizes second pair stabilizes air quotes. Yeah. Uh, Tom Shabbat is yeah. amazing, and uh, Clark MacArthur makes a miraculous return. And right. Craig Anderson stands on his head. Yeah, nine forty <laughs> at least. Yeah, exactly. All right, sounds like a good season coming up. Exactly. I don't know what people are so negative about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I think we can wrap things up there. This has been quite a long episode. Uh, but before I let you uh, go, James. For the very few Senators fans who don't know who you are, let them know where they can find you online. Uh, I'm on Twitter at James underscore J underscore Gordon. It used to be Sens Reporter, and then I wasn't (laughs) Sens Reporter anymore. So that's a a placeholder egg right now that will point you to, you know what, that's a good idea. Twitter at Sens Reporter, and that'll point you to the the right place. All right, sounds good. And what about are I know you're doing some writing recently I, as well. Yes. Um, well, in addition to some freelance writing, I just uh, just posted another hockey site uh, called Hockey Markets. It's at Hockey Markets uh, at Twitter. Uh, it's only been up for a couple of days, so there's not a ton of stuff there yet. But uh, I'm hoping to find the time here and there to do some writing there. So please check it out. All right, sounds good. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on the show, James. It was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime in the future. Sure, no problem. Thanks. All right. So letting the listeners know of the Cost Per Pointcast that you can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And giving a nice little review helps me out a lot as it'll bring in some new listeners. You can find me on Twitter at ShaqTS, as well as read my articles and other people's articles on Silver 7 Sentence. Um Next episode, we'll have real games to talk about, even though they've already they've already played four by the time you're listening to this. So uh, I'm sure we're all looking forward to that. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>